uh, this evening. Just a quick little uh, summary and some questions for uh, our kids. So we're going to, uh, we started last Sunday back in uh, the Psalms. So we uh, picked up at Psalm 69 last week and tonight the next Psalm in order, uh, number 70. So Psalm number 70, just five verses. Let's read those uh, beautiful verses together. Uh, the heading is to the choir master of David for the memorial offering. And the psalm says this, and we've already prayed uh, the opening verse in our little opening prayers tonight. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. May all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation see evermore, God is great. But I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. And all of God's people say, Amen. Uh, There's a great ancient Christian uh, preacher by the name of Athanasius. And Athanasius said one of the peculiar and precious features of the Psalms is that while other parts of the Bible tell us to do something, In the Psalms, we are given the very words that we are to express when we're doing whatever it is that we're commanded to do. So, for example, the Bible commands us in both Old and New Testaments to repent, to turn away from ourselves and our sins and to turn to the Lord. But in the Psalms, we are given the very words of how we are to be penitent and repentant. For example, Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your steadfast love, and so forth. So we're commanded to repent, but the Psalms tell us and show us how to pray as repentant believers. The scriptures in other places tell us that the Lord says, again, this is both an Old and New Testament thing, that following the Lord means experiencing in this life tribulations and troubles and trials. In the Psalms, though, we are given, as Athanasius says, what the afflicted ought to say. We are shown exactly with what words to voice our hope to God. So when we are under trial and tribulation and temptation, the Psalms give us the very words to pray in those times of struggle. Again, the scriptures say all throughout the Bible to give thanks Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In all things, in all circumstances, give thanks, as the Apostle Paul says. The Psalms give us the very words of thankfulness. And one more example. The Psalms, and, or the Scriptures, say to us to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord, right? That's, that's Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Or the Apostle Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing already in Christ in the heavenly places. So bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, loved ones. But the Psalms, again, show us the way to bless the Lord. The how to bless the Lord. The words to bless the Lord for his majesty and for his love and grace towards us. So this great preacher, Athanasius, in his little writing on the Psalms, said this to conclude as he gave a bunch of examples of what the scriptures say to do and then how the Psalms show us how to do that. He says this, in fact, under all the circumstances of life, right, the highest points of our lives, the lowest points, 
we shall find that these divine songs, the psalms, suit ourselves and meet our own soul's need at every turn. So again, we turn to the psalms tonight. And Psalm number 70 is another example of God giving us words to pray to him. And Psalm number 70, just to note this, it's a follow-up psalm from Psalm number 69. There's a reason why the psalms are in a certain order that they are. And a lot of times we can see the connections between them. Uh, last Sunday we went through Psalm 69. Uh, what is it, 36 verses? We could have added five more if we wanted to because Psalm 69 and 70 are intimately connected. And we said last Sunday in Psalm number 69 that that was a prayer for times of deep, deep trouble. Times of deep, deep trouble. And looking to God in hope for his help. Uh, And uh, Psalm 70 is saying the same thing. It's a follow-up psalm. Uh, The great American philosopher, Yogi Berra, the great Yankees catcher, said it like this. The more things change, the more things stay the same, right? So he's not a great philosopher. That's a a, a snide comment, but he was known for his little quippy sayings. The more things change, the more things stay the same. So Psalm 69, David is in deep trouble. and And in hope, he's crying out to God for help. Psalm 70, he's still doing the same thing. He's still in trouble. He's still crying out. He's doing it in hope in the Lord for his help. Now, if you notice there, it's really easy to see this because it's only five verses, but Psalm 70 is what we call a chiasm. Uh, If you would just make a little X, that's a chiasm. So they're like point A, point B, and then point A and point B in the bottom, and then there's always a middle part to it. So Psalm 70 is a chiasm. That means that uh, verses 1 and 5, notice, they go together. Verses 1 and 5 are saying the same thing. Make haste, O God, to deliver me, uh, deliver me, O Lord, make haste to help me. Verse 5, uh, I am poor and needy. Hasten to help me, O God, right? It's the same language. You are my help, my deliverer. O God, O Lord, do not delay. So Psalm 1 and Psalm 5 are repeating uh, on the out, on the top and the bottom or the beginning and the end, the outside part of that chiasm. They're doing that. And in the middle of it, that little, where the X sort of intersects, you have verses 2, 3, and 4. So that's kind of the heart of the psalm where he's praying against those or for those who are his enemies. And then he's definitely praying for uh, his friends and those who like him who are seeking the Lord. And so we find in Psalm number 70 then, in some, uh, urgent words to pray when it feels that God isn't listening. Psalm 70 was very urgent too, or Psalm 69 was very urgent as well. He was in deep trouble, and he cried out in hope that God would help him. Psalm 70, it's the same thing, but we're seeing this idea that, why is it the same thing? Because God doesn't seem like he's listening. He certainly hasn't answered David for help against his enemies. So if God doesn't give us what we need, when we think we need it, how we think we need it, it feels to us that he's not actually listening in the first place. So Psalm 70 is an urgent prayer. It's only five verses. An urgent prayer, urgent words to pray when it feels to you and me like God isn't listening to uh, to me, to you, to us. So verse 1, make haste. Notice that. It's just very strong uh, language. Verse 1, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Now look at this, Psalm 69, verse 14. So I want to see some of the connections here. In Psalm 69, 14, David prayed, deliver me. That's the same Hebrew word, natsal. 
Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Remember, he felt like the water was up to his head. He was drowning uh, and his feet were slipping and he was getting further and further down in the water. He was dying, he felt like, emotionally and, and uh, physically and spiritually in all the ways that we are as human beings. He felt like he was sinking. And so he prayed, deliver me in the sinking mire. And so again, he's praying the same thing. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. From what? From all the enemies, from all the struggles, from all the, uh, the urgent needs that I have. Oh Lord, he, go, he goes on to pray, make haste to help me. Make haste to help me. And that's again repeated in verse number five. So we can feel David's urgency here, can't we? We can feel it. We can hear it, but we can also feel it. Uh, we can sense his need for deliverance and help as God still hasn't brought deliverance and help from his enemy. So it feels to him like God isn't listening. Now, what about for us? So that, that's, that's David. And we looked in, we've looked so far uh, in our morning sermons in, in, the, in First and Second Samuel, and then even a little bit today in First Kings. Uh, there are all these enemies that David is facing. He faced Saul, right? He faces his own son, Absalom. And then this morning in First Kings chapter uh, number one, uh, his fourth son, Adonijah, even as David was dying, cold in his bed was rising up against him. So David's life was characterized by struggle and strife, trial and, and tribulation. So he's crying out, but well, what about for us? What about for us as believers? Now we said last Sunday that the Psalms are also the Psalms of Jesus. These are the prayers of Jesus uh, through the prophets and through men like David because they are shadows pointing forward to Jesus. And so we who put our hope and our trust in Jesus also can pray the Psalms. Uh, these are our prayers as well. These are our prayers just as much as these, this is the prayer uh, of King David here, Psalm 70. So our enemies, our enemies. So David had lots of enemies. What about us? Do we have enemies? Do Christians have enemies? Who are they? The world, the flesh, the devil. Good. Those are three enemies of the Christian in the New Testament. The world, the flesh, the devil. So Psalm 70 is our prayer too. It's an urgent prayer for when God hasn't answered you to be delivered from the world's influence in your life. Lord, every time I open my phone, I turn on the radio or the television, every time I'm around that person, that group, I cave in. I get down. I start acting like the world, right? This is a prayer, urgent prayer. Lord, help me against the world and its influence. This is why Paul tells us uh, to be conformed to what? Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, right? So don't be conformed to the world, Romans 12, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Lord, when I, when I am influenced by the world, when it's trials, it's temptations, Affect me, Lord, help me. So this is a prayer of the believer too. Uh, it's an urgent prayer for when God hasn't answered us to be delivered from our own sinful flesh, our own temptations, and our own giving in to our temptations. And we can pray these uh, in, this, in this psalm. Lord, why do I so easily and so often fall into that sin? Right, that's, that's the sin nature. Why do I so easily and so often fall into that sin. You probably notice that by now. As you get older, you start to notice that, that you have the same sins, right? The same sins, okay? It's going to rain a whole bunch, and uh, maybe not here, but 
if we were to go out into the desert, uh, somewhere, somewhere where there was more dirt on the ground, uh, and the water uh, just dumps down, and then eventually you have to walk, or you have to drive, or you have to do whatever it is that you have to do, ride a bike or whatever, through the dirt, to the mud, uh, you'll begin to see huge divots and ruts in the mud, right? That's the Christian life, unfortunately, is that we still follow the same path out in the mud, out in the dirt, down, out in our sins that we probably did before. Now, we begin to have some triumph over those sins, but we still fall into the same ruts, don't we? So this is a psalm that you should be praying uh, with great urgency when you feel like your own sinful heart, your own mind, your own conscience, your own body is falling into the rut of the same sins. And so it's, all, it's a prayer against our enemies, the world, the flesh, but also the devil, but also the devil. An urgent prayer against him. Doesn't Paul tell us in Ephesians 6 about what the devil does? What does he, how does he describe the devil fighting against us? You're to put on the shield of faith, aren't you? Why? Why do you need a shield of faith? What is it shielding you from? The fiery darts, right? Or the arrows of the devil. Now, are there literal darts being shot at us every day? No, no, not literal in that sense, but literal in the sense of the devil wants you to doubt all the things that you believe. That's what Ephesians 6 is all about, the armor of God. It's about the, the things that God is for us in Christ. We put on Christ because the devil wants us not to believe in Jesus Christ. And so his arrows come against our faith. Our faith in what? Our faith in Christ. And so the devil wants to tempt us. He wants to allure us. Uh, he wants to cause us to doubt by shooting those fiery darts against our faith. Lord, I am so weak. We should be praying this song. My faith is so weak. Strengthen and help my unbelief. And so David cries out here, make haste. We feel his struggle as he cries out. And we feel his struggle too as we cry out. But it feels like there's no answer at times. But loved ones, the Lord's not hearing is also a part of the gospel. God's not hearing prayers is also a part of the gospel. How so? Here's David praying. He's the anointed one, isn't he? He's the king. He's the one that 2 Samuel 7 says that upon his throne would sit his son forever. We've seen in, in our studies in the morning service the last few weeks, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, all these kings. These guys are not the anointed savior. These guys are not the Messiah, are they? No, not at all. Not even close. Not even close. There's someone else. There's someone else. Jesus, the Messiah, right? We call him Jesus Christ because he's Messiah, the anointed one. And because the, the anointed one, because Jesus, the fulfillment of Psalm number 70, because he wasn't answered when he prayed, Lord, take this cup from me. What if God would have removed the cup from him, the cup of drinking the wrath of God? What would have happened? You and I wouldn't be here right now. We would still be dead in our sins. We'd be under the wrath of Almighty God. But because God didn't answer Jesus, he underwent temptation. He underwent suffering. He underwent death for you. Because God didn't answer Jesus' prayer upon, or in the garden, upon the cross, and his, really his whole life. Because he was forsaken by God, 
you and I might be received by God in his love. Amen? So it's a hard thing for us personally because God isn't, it feels like God's not listening to us, not answering us. But don't forget, the Psalms also are the prayers of Jesus. And so God's not listening, we might say. God's not listening, not, pr- not answering the prayers of Jesus. It's a part of the gospel. It's a part of the good news. Because he didn't listen, we're saved. We're saved. So make haste, he prays. And then notice he prays uh, 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 verses 2 and 3. This is the, the middle part of this little chiasm, this little, this little uh, structure of the psalm. Uh, uh, he prays, first of all, in verses 2 and 3, uh, for those who sought his life. Notice that, who, those who sought his life. So he's praying for them. We might say he's praying against them, really. He's praying against them. Let them be put to shame. Bosh is the Hebrew term. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Now, again, in Psalm 69, he prayed the exact opposite. Psalm 69, verse 6, he prayed the exact opposite. Let not those who hope in you, he's praying for different people, though, let those who hope in you, uh, let, let them not be put to shame through me. But here he's praying, let those who don't hope in you, let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Again, Psalm 69, verse 6, that same verse, it's the, he's praying again, the complete opposite. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me. So he's praying that those who do seek the Lord wouldn't be dishonored. But in this case, he's praying that those who don't seek the Lord would be dishonored, who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame, who say, really it's who shouts, that's the Hebrew term, amar, who shouts, aha, aha. Again, Psalm 69, verse number 19. These are, again, these are connected psalms. Uh, David prayed, you know my reproach and my shame. You know my reproach and my shame. And notice, notice the words, the shouts of David's enemies. Aha, aha, notice that. It seems kind of inconsequential that why is that in the Bible? Aha, like that's really a biblical word. <laughs> Twice, you know, aha, aha, like what is that all about? Okay, but again, these Psalms, David is praying them and he's praying them for himself, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's praying them like a prophet looking forward to the coming of his son, the anointed one, the Messiah, Jesus. So turn with me to Mark's gospel, uh, chapter 15. Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, and look at verse number 29. It's really an awesome fulfillment of the psalm. So these enemies of David, uh, let them be turned back to shame. Who say, who shout, aha, aha. But then notice what we read of, uh, in Mark's Gospel, 15, verse 29. This is Jesus upon the cross. Okay, Here's Jesus upon the cross. And those who passed by derided him. Psalm, uh, uh, Mark 15, 29. And those who passed by him, Jesus, on the cross, by the way, derided him, wagging their heads and saying, what? Aha! You who would destroy the temple in three days uh, and rebuild it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, this little, in English, this little three-letter word that doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's used in the Psalms, and it's used in the passion narrative of Jesus. That very same thing is being described here. Now, here's also another great thing about that. David is praying against his enemies, right? Let them be put to shame. Let them be put to confusion. Let them be turned back or turned away. Let them be brought to dishonor who delight in my hurts. Notice that. So he's praying against his enemies. But do you know that his son, Jesus, the Messiah, prayed for his enemies? Prayed for his enemies? Upon the cross, as they were wagging their heads, crying out, Aha! You who destroyed the temple, you said you could destroy the temple in three days and rebuild it. Come down! What did he pray upon the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that amazing? That here's King David praying against his enemies. There's Jesus receiving the exact same taunt and curse praying for them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, because we belong to Jesus by faith, again, we can also pray the very same psalm. We can pray for the world. The only thing we should really pray against the world is maybe this, right? So we have the enemies of the world, the flesh, the devil. You know, how do we pray against enemies when we're told to especially pray for our enemies, love those who persecute you, and so forth? How do we do that? Well, we can pray, Lord, you've, you've promised me in the Word that if I don't take vengeance in this life on my enemies as a Christian, that you will sort it all out in the end, Right? So like in Romans, the Apostle Paul tells the the church in Rome, uh, don't seek out vengeance. The scripture tells us, and he quotes the Old Testament, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So at most, if we're going to pray against our enemies, we, we pray, Lord, you've promised that vengeance belongs to you. You are the one who will repay. And so, Lord, Sort out my will, right? I'm confused. You're not listening to me. You're not answering me. You're not helping me. My, my, my enemies are all around me. Sort it all out, Lord. My will, my enemies' will against me, but may your will be done. And you'll sort it out, Lord. You're, you're the one who's going to give mercy to whom you will and vengeance upon whom you will. So David prays against, prays against those who seek his life. But he also prays for those who seek the Lord. Notice that verse 4. That's the center of the chiasm again. David's praying for those who seek the Lord. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad uh, in you. Uh, again, in Psalm 69, verse, 20, uh, verse uh, 32. So we'll go back to the psalm. Psalm 69 at verse number 32. He prayed that when the Lord would set him on high, quote, the humble see it and they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. Notice that. May all, those who seek, uh, may all those who seek you rejoice and be glad. And he's, because he said in the psalm just previous to this, it's, they're really like connected, right? They're the same prayer. 
When you set me on high, Lord, you, you, re, you, you relieve me from my enemies, you set me on high, all those who seek the Lord are going to rejoice. Their hearts are going to revive, and they see God answering prayers. And so, brothers and sisters, what, what is our ultimate joy and gladness in this life, in this age, in which we're living by faith in the wilderness with enemies all around us, the world that's around us, our own flesh within us, the devil who's all around us, and sometimes it feels like he's within our heads? What's our ultimate joy? What's our ultimate hope? What's the thing that we ultimately are praising God for? According to Psalm 69 and 70, when you set me on high, let all, let all those who see it are going to rejoice and revive. What is he talking about there? He's talking about, we said last Sunday, the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we see by faith through the testimony of the apostles of the prophets that God raised up his own son, the same God that sent his son to the cross, but he raised him up. And we see him lifted up as Psalm 69 describes. We are going to rejoice in the Lord. Because all of our enemies' taunts and threats, they pale in comparison to our knowledge and our boast that we know the end of the story already, that Jesus wins. God has already raised up his son and given him all authority in heaven and on earth. All the enemies, all the threats, all the taunts, the devil himself like a prowling, roaring lion seeking to devour those he wants, these enemies in their taunts are meaningless and they're weak. Jesus reigns. He's king, we saw this morning. He rules. And we trust in him. You see, we trust in him. Again, he says, may those who love your salvation, may they say, so notice it's the same Hebrew word, amar, right? This is those who say, those who shout, aha, aha. But here it's those who love salvation. They also shout something. May those who love your salvation shout evermore, say evermore. Yigdal Elohim, God is great, or great is God. God is great. Those who love the Lord's salvation shout, and they magnify, they elevate the name of the Lord. God is great, or great is God, literally. And so David's urgency here, as he's praying for his friends, He's praying for those who love the Lord, those who are seeking the Lord. He's praying for the church, the people of God. His urgency, notice that he, in the first place, in verse 1, he's praying for himself, but now he's urgent praying for his friends. But his urgency is also a confidence. It's also a confidence. He's praying against his enemies. He's praying for his friends. And notice he's doing this before God has even answered him. Right? So verse 1, make haste, deliver me. Don't delay. Why is he saying, praying that? Because God is delaying. Because God isn't making haste. God's slow. Feels that way. But even before God has sent the answer to him, he's already praying against his enemies and praying for his, his friends. Like I said last week, one of the things that we learn in these, in these two psalms is that we're never in too deep of trouble to pray. He's in deep trouble. Pray. Pray. Whatever the enemy 
against you is tonight. The world, the flesh, the devil. Pray, right? Pray. And do it with confidence, knowing that even before God has given you the answer and the help that you need, God already has it sorted out. He's already raised his son. The answer's already there. It's just a matter of time. So don't delay, he prays, verse 5, to conclude. Don't delay. He comes back to his, to his own personal, his own urgent request that God wouldn't delay. But I'm poor and needy. I'm poor, or he's afflicted, as he described it in verse uh, 29 of chapter 16, or Psalm 69, 29. I'm afflicted. What ani ani is what he says. I'm poor. I'm afflicted. The Lord hears the needy, he said in Psalm 69. The Lord hears the needy. But notice this is King David identifying himself with the needy. The Lord hears the needy, right? Those people over there, but I'm needy, right? I'm needy. Never think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, loved ones. This is the king praying this. I am poor. I am needy. At the end of the day, you and I are just dust and we're beggars. Acknowledge it to God. I'm poor. I'm needy. The Lord loved the widow. The Lord loved the orphan. The Lord loved the outcast. The Lord loved the outsider, and he still does. He loves the poor. He loves the needy. You're the evidence of that tonight, that he loves the poor. He loves the needy. Then comes his, his big punchline. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help. Notice that. God hasn't helped him yet. You are my help. And my deliverer. Notice again verse 1. Make haste, God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Right? These are prayers for, for what he needs. God hasn't delivered him. God has not helped him. But what is God to him? God is his helper. God is his deliverer. Right? That's faith. That's confidence, loved ones. For you and I to know that Jesus Christ is the king. He's raised up. God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He knows what we need already before we even ask it. And so you can ask him and you, or you can say to him, you're, you're my helper, you're my deliverer. Even when I don't have the help I want, I need. The deliverance I want, I need. So this is a wonderful prayer, a beautiful prayer, not just of our wonderful and humble Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a prayer of King David, but this is a prayer that you and I can pray. Knowing the Lord hears, and he only delays because it's for your good. In his will and in his good pleasure, his delay is for your good. And what's the, what's the remedy? What's the remedy when God doesn't listen? Pray. <laughs> Pray. Pray urgently. Psalm 69, Psalm 70. Pray urgently when it feels like God isn't listening. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you do hear us. You are described in the Bible as the God who hears prayer. Hear our prayers. Lord, we come to you with a sense of urgency. We have our own particular needs and our burdens, our cares, our concerns. The things that we need your help uh, desperately for. We need your deliverance from someone or something. Uh, send it to us, Lord, when it's good for you. And help us to know that it's good for us, Lord, even in the waiting. 
We praise you for Jesus, who is the, the great answer to all these needs and all these concerns. Give us faith to trust in him and to be confident in him already that he is our helper, he is our deliverer. And we pray it in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, amen. Uh, let's sing together before we take our offering. We're going to sing